When it comes to the plant-based eating debate, there's more to consider than just healthy or unhealthy. Of course, we want to eat things that make us feel good and generate energy to keep us going, but there's also a major environmental component that drives a lot of people to a plant-focused diet. But you don't have to give up some of your faves entirely. Impossible Foods makes meat from plants. They're solving the meat problem with more meat. By creating delicious meat from plants that's better for you and the planet, Impossible lets you enjoy some of your favorite meaty products with a plant-based twist. Ground beef, homestyle meatballs, sausage patties, all made from plants. And that's just a few of their delicious and versatile options. No more tension between craving meat but not wanting to eat so much of it or sacrificing your carnivorous faves for your health. Indulge in nutrient-packed, plant-based goodness and feel good doing it. Check out impossiblefoods.com to see how you can help solve the meat problem with more meat. That's I-M-P-O-S-S-I-B-L-E-F-O-O-D-S.com. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. What I love about Shopify is basically how no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. I know we use Shopify here at Betches, and honestly, anyone with any kind of business could really benefit from Shopify. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklyn, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash betches, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash betches now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash betches. In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com and get up to 15% off your first purchase as a member with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for up to 15% off your first purchase as a member. is so bad it's good with ryan bailey the podcast where we cover all the pop culture we love to hate from the classic reality tv moments of the past and present to the latest daily mail headlines and everything in between we'll dive into all the infamous and notorious messes you can't stop watching i'm looking at you Jax taylor i'm your host ryan bailey Touch space. Touch space. Touch space. Touch space. Touch space. For my theme 
out and touch faith <laughs> reach out and touch me hey it's so bad it's good with ryan bailey this is your tuesday episode how's everybody doing out there uh that was mr kanye west with uh mixed with little depeche mode if if your kids don't know about depeche mode what are you guys even doing as parents depeche mode one of the best really a forefront of like also just using synth in such a beautiful amazing a haunting way. Depeche Mode, what a band. <laughs> Depeche Mode, what a band. Uh, I wonder if they do that with podcasts. If anybody will be like, Ryan Bailey, what a podcast. What a podcast. But uh, I played Kanye because, of course, we've been talking about Mr. West, as we always do, because he released his 10th studio album, Donda, on Sunday. And I think we've already we've moved past it. It's been a day. <laughs> Isn't it crazy how fast pop culture goes? We're like, well, we listen to it. Okay, on to the next thing. Uh, Drake's album's coming out on Thursday. No, um, the 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 track that I'm the most fascinated with. I still I've I've made it about an hour in. I got 45 minutes left to go. It's an hour and 48 minute album, but the opening track I'm fascinated with because it's just a lady saying his mom's name again and again, like Donda, 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 Donda. Donda. And and that's just it for like two minutes. And I was almost I was like, should I just start the show off like that with mine like Bailey? Bay but then I was like, oh, there's like a good ten percent of the audience that will potentially get that. And it's gonna be pretty annoying to a hundred percent of the audience, so I won't do that. Um but a lot of people wrote in about my Kanye thoughts the other day. And like I said, I was just talking about the Manson and the baby thing that he brought out for that listening party. You know, the true uh, the true things we should be talking about is the actual music. And uh, 
so the jury's still out. I, I've listened. There's been a couple things that have caught in my head. But uh, the, the real interesting thing is we'll see on Thursday night, Drake releases Certified Lover Boy. And Drake posted an Instagram post today announcing it, that it's this Thursday. And he put a lot of emojis of different um, different colored emoji ladies pregnant. So what I guess he's saying is that he's going to get all of you ladies pregnant by his album on Thursday. So if you're not looking to get pregnant, it's like Nick Cannon. You got to be careful around Nick Cannon. Nick Cannon, this is true. He had 33 babies with 33 different women over COVID. That is a fact. That's not alleged. He had 33 babies over COVID. Most people didn't even have one. My, my buddy Nick had one baby. He had 33 babies. No, I think he had like four. But that's a lot of babies still. But Drake... Like, we can all joke around, but, like, Drake, like, you should chill out, dude. Like, what if by some kind of weird magical spell he does get all these ladies pregnant? And then he's like, he can't take care of all those, like, babies. Like, if he goes on tour, you know, then all these babies are going to just be raised without a Drake father. It just makes no sense. Um, But we do have to time it. So this album came out on Sunday. So I want to see. We've got a time. So this is day two of this album being out. How many days do you think it takes before we stop talking about this album? Like, this is what, do you ever do that, you guys, nowadays? Because pop culture moves so fast. You got to keep a calendar for when things get hot and then how, like White Lotus, remember? We were all up White Lotus's ass on HBO Max. I, you know, it's, it's petering off. The show's over and we stop talking about it. Like, it, the shelf life on this stuff is uh, insane, um, how's everybody doing? It was the, uh, the re-entry to the week good. This of course is, uh, we had my last day with my parents in Long Beach, California, uh, Bill and Becky Bailey. We rocked it hard as we always, uh, always do. And, uh, I'll be seeing them again in three short weeks in Clearwater, Florida. Uh, please come out and join. If anybody, if any baddies are out there, please, uh, please say hello. My parents will love it. And, um, I think I told you guys this a little bit ago, but I we were going to Nashville with a, a couple of my guy buddies, and then we had canceled it because of the Delta variant, but then it turns out we couldn't get any of our money back, and so now we're going to Nashville, and so I will be in Nashville this weekend for Labor Day. I've never been to Nashville. If any of you guys or baddies are from Nashville and know, I want to see, I saw a picture of like a big Dolly Parton head. Like, I want to see a big Dolly part. I want to see that. And that's it. Like, I hear mainly that's like bachelorette parties. So I, it's me and my guy buddies. And we're all pretty, like, nice, cool guys. So if anybody knows of Nashville stuff to get into that's, like, safe. Like, we wear masks and stuff like that. We're all vaccinated. So um, let us live with you. That's what I'm pretty much saying. No, I know Laguna Biatch, Kelly Williams, who does the podcast uh now and then with laguna biatch she lives out there i'm going to try to say hello to her it would be cool to meet her finally in person after all of this um what are you guys doing are you i think we're going to still release a pod on monday or should i take a day off i'm not sure anyways that's not you guys don't need to worry about that um a couple quick things 
If you want to leave a nice review, please do that on Apple Podcasts. Five stars is always appreciated. If you need more episodes, go to the Patreon. Please check out our sponsors this week, HelloFresh um, and uh, and Ready Slim, which uh, are great. You'll hear me talk about that midway through the show. Thank you to my sponsors. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, thank you to iHeartRadio and Cloud10. Thanks to mom and dad. Now I'm just doing an Oscar speech. Um, but thank you guys for all of your support. And I got this interesting uh, DM the other day or yesterday. And I've been thinking about it so much. It was really nice. It was really nice. Um, but basically, she was saying, hey, you've been doing a lot of interviews lately. And, you know, it's like guests I've heard on other places. And I was like, well, I don't think you've heard the interview I've done with these guys. I was all cocky. I don't think you've heard the interview I've done with these guests. Like, I think that Spencer Pratt one was really damn good if you like Spencer Pratt. And Dorinda, I thought we'd hit some different things than other things. But, you know, she was just saying, like, oh, I miss... Um, I miss when you're like really goofy with other podcasters and kind of riff and all that stuff. And I totally get it. And don't worry. I got you guys. I got you. I will always say the interviews, I think, really give me uh, – it's it's really teaching me so much. And I love it because I just – I'm big fans of all these people. So I know a lot of you guys really dig it. But don't worry. I'm going to be um, – I think there's a week coming up where we're just doing uh, podcasters, but even more than that, don't worry. Trust me. You are in good hands with old Bailey boy here. <laughs> that sounded so good. <laughs> you're, you're in good hands. I am uh, the same goofy doofy dude. <laughs> I'm just shocked there's even question to that. Um, so you don't have to worry, but I get, I, I kind of get what that person was saying though too, is because when I, I think Courtney from Two Judgy Girls is coming up, Watch What Crappens is coming up. So we're going to have like a string of just me just shit talking these shows in the funnest way possible. We are going to crush it. You're going to, we're, we're going to knock you off your coal mining asses with laughter. And then, of course, we always have the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. And there is just so much content. And I, I uh, my thing is, though, I got to be careful because I got to follow my heart. I know that sounds silly, but I got to follow my heart. And I also, I just, there is this constant paranoia that I'm going to screw something up is that I don't take any of this lightly, you know, like I'm so appreciative and I just don't want to make the wrong move, but I also don't want to be scared enough where I don't make any moves. And that's why when we're branching out with getting these great guests and I've got a couple great ones coming up that I'm so excited about, and I hope you guys will be too, but I get it. And I'm trying to be everything uh, to everyone. And at the end of the day, we're going to find out what works and what doesn't. We're going to fine tune it. And at the end of the day, I just want people to laugh. And if we can go more than that, if I can kind of tell my truth or, or, or just tell uh, some personal stuff about myself, if we can get a well-rounded pod. I mean, that's what we're we're doing. So thank you for sticking with me through figuring all of this out. Uh, I'm really proud of this. I really am. So uh, that's that on that. And let's see, what else do we got here? Oh, one more business thing before we get to one story and then our guest. Our guest is amazing, you guys. So many of you guys requested this guy, and I've actually I went out to dinner with him a while back. We with uh, me and Laura Marie Shane Halls and Jess Rothschild, uh, just all podcasters, and he was so great. And I finally got to have him on, and I got to tell you, the guy is just awesome. And we talk like his podcast is called uh, Deep Dive with Jamie Stein. And it is, uh, it's an incredible podcast. He is a therapeutically trained intuitive and empath, but he uses this talent and he talks about these reality show characters that we love. Like we get into deep behind Erica Jane 
and and the hits he's gotten on her or Tom Girardi or Jen Shaw or Real Housewives of New York. We go go all over the map, and then he gets a couple hits on me, and he he says a, a couple things that I found to be very true about me at the end of this episode. And you can hear I was like so scared. I was like, oh, don't tell me, don't tell. Like I I just don't know. I don't follow this stuff. I'm not into astrology. Like I want to be. I want to be the guy that loves astrology. It's like I want to be the guy that smokes weed, and I just can't. You know, it's like every time I smoke weed, I just end up eating like eight pounds of Taco Bell. Um, and that's that's a low estimate, probably more like fifteen pounds of Taco Bell. But um, you know what I'm saying? Like I want to be into astrology, but so I'm always scared. And and Jamie had to tell me that's really not what he does. I'm like, do I die, Jamie? Tell me if I'm dead. Am I dead right now, Jamie? Jamie, tell me if I'm dead. Um, but he is just he's so talented great guy. Um, and I cannot wait to work with him more. I think I'm going to be on his podcast. Uh, but what I wanted to say, so on Wednesday's episode, we have another great guest. Plus we have Megan Rooney, who has been on multiple times in regards to the Tom Girardi, Erica Jane stuff, because she's a lawyer and my friend, and she will be breaking down the Girardi keys estate sale that we went to on Sunday. So we talked a little bit about it with my mom and dad on Monday, but we're going to go into all of the stuff, but I do want to make one thing clear, which I thought I made clear on Monday's show, but a couple people have sent me Reddit threads and I saw on Twitter, a couple people, uh, said some things, which is, uh, the good and bad thing about doing not crazy stunts, but like kind of weird things. Like I think the question, a lot of people <laughs> that don't listen to the podcast would be like, why would you want a big Girardi, uh, Tom Girardi oil painting? And to me, I'm like, that's fucking obvious. Like, I mean, for me, it's hysterically funny in a sick way, but then also you you own a piece of something that intersects with a huge pop culture story, reality shows, Los Angeles, the law, and crime. Like all of that stuff. Like to me, this is like this is like OJ Simpson level. And of course I need I'm I'm doing a reality show museum one day, you guys. Of course I need stuff from this. Do I need the lingerie? Probably not, but you know, I like to feel sexy. Um so but there was one thing I want to make very clear again, but also it shows you a lot of people the thing that the thing that's good about the internet and the thing that sucks about the internet is that the thing that's good is that it gives a lot of people that have never had a voice a voice. And it turns out a lot of people like to give their opinion, <laughs> give their opinions. It's like a, uh, the opposite of an audio uh, podcast. It's just people writing their thoughts, whether they're asked to or not. The, the, the bad thing about the internet is that usually people are uninformed. So they're giving these kind of opinions uh, half-baked opinions, and they haven't really looked into what they're talking about. So they're just going on this little piece of information they, they had. So I got sent uh, some Reddit threads and some Twitter, Twitter shit where, so what happened is that we bid on a mystery box. So say on Storage Wars, you know, they bid on these, uh, you know, storage closets, and they don't know what's in them. And that's the exciting part of it. So we saw this, we're like, let's bid on that. And let's see what's in there. Because it looked like a lot of framed pictures, like, who knows? And it was 70 bucks, cheapest thing out there. And we didn't know what was in there until we got it. And we went through. And you guys, in frames alone, there had to have been like a th over $1,000 in professionally framed things. I mean, I you saw some of them on my Instagram. We had a, a, a Tom Girardi headshot in there. We had a Super Lawyer of the Year award. We had a lot of awards for Tom Girardi. It turns out he loved to get 
awards. And some of these awards he paid for himself, we found out, which is also what Erica Jane did to get on Billboard magazine. She paid to get on there. Um, but the thing that creeped both Megan and myself out was that we noticed there was two framed pictures of Erica Jane as a child. Not like a baby, but as like a child, like seven-year-old, eight-year-old. And I was like, oh. And you could tell that was Erica Jane. And I was like, oh, that's weird. Like, that, you know, it just... It felt off, and I'm still wrestling with the feelings that or why. Because I'm like, well, f- you know, kind of sorry, kid. Kick the kids out of the car. Fuck Erica Jane, right? You're like, I'm sorry. Like, I do believe she is guilty in some of this, and there are victims that really take precedence over Erica's lifestyle that she's scared she might not be able to keep up with. But you know, Megan said this, and I completely agreed. Was that like, let's get it back to her, and and and. You know, Megan at first said, hey, well, maybe you can get a podcast interview out of it. I was like, I don't want to talk to her. <laughs> like, I have no desire. And um, so, you know, we have reached out, not me, but she has. And uh, we'll do our best to get that, that back to her because I don't want it. Like, that to me is a bridge too far. Like, I'm good with fucking around with the Tom Girardi stuff. And I have plans for that oil painting. You guys will see. It's going to – I think you're going to be really proud of me. But yeah, like I'm good. Like, but so people are on Reddit saying like, I, you know, this is disgusting and oh, such bad. And I'm like, I didn't even know what was in the box. And I'm like, that's great. We're at a point where we're going to feel bad for Erica Jane again. People got to chill out, man. Like, like do one track at a time. Let's focus on the victims. Like, Erica Jane isn't the victim here. The fact that we need to make her a martyr every chance we get is wild, and it shows why people get off in this world a lot without ever having to pay a price or deal with consequences. You know? Because we are so willing to not even forgive, but just to, like, say, okay, you know, oh, I feel bad for Erica Jane all of a sudden. Like, what? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, to me, it's it's something I wrestle with a lot of, like, fairness and uh, paying a price for something that you did wrong. And I just don't, in this, I just don't feel bad for Erica Jane. And maybe that says something more about me than her. Maybe it just means I'm kind of like, maybe maybe it means I'm a shitty person. Who knows? But to me, I'm just like, wow, the fact that, you know, I mean, they raised $8 million in all the sale of that Girardi crap. And supposedly that goes to the victims. So that's what we were told. So... Uh, but anyways, my, the, my whole point is that, like, if you had read any of the posts or listened to the podcast, you would have known, like, I, we didn't know it was there, nor do we want to keep a hold of it. Like, there's no part of me that finds it funny to have Erica Jane's childhood pit. Like, it's just, I'm like, ooh. Like, I even am like, uh, no, I'm good. So don't believe any, everything you read and, and whatever. The last thing I want to know, speaking of, talking about criminals, the last thing I want to talk about is I got, uh, um, Kea from uh, Bravo Wall Black, uh, she texted me as well as Marissa texted me. There was a Dumois post. It's all Dumois, man. <laughs> There's so many. So it says Brittany Cartwright, of course, of Brittany and Jack's fame. Brittany Cartwright has been dropped by Mermaid Hair as a paid sponsor after her very first post. So I don't know much more information than this, but this seems, I guys, I don't even know what Mermaid Hair is. 
Is that is it actual mermaid hair? But supposedly Britney did a post and mermaid hair dropped her as a sponsor. Is this guys, ladies, is this a big company? Is this a big deal? Because I got this, I got sent this a lot, like this was a big deal. And then at, underneath it it says there are also multiple posts on Reddit, which by the way, we know Reddit doesn't usually get it right sometimes. There are multiple posts on Reddit of other companies dropping her and of Jack's faking sponsorships only to have companies say they do not work with him. Then he deletes everything. So there has been this habit with Jack's and a lot of, um, and maybe girl gangs can come on to talk about this because she's really good with the influencer stuff was that he was tagging like their favorite baby diaper brand, I believe a couple months ago. And people reached out and was like, do you want to be working with this guy? And they were like, we don't work with this guy. So it seems like Jack's what he does. And he did, he does this on Twitter all the time. He's done this for years. I used to keep like track of it in an Excel spreadsheet was on his Twitter. He would tag every company. Like he'd be like starburst at starburst. I love your pink starburst. Or he'd be like, I'm at ExxonMobil in the Valley. Great gas. Always at my friends at ExxonMobil. And he would just try to get free shit that way. And I think he does the same thing with Instagram, thinking, one, he might get free shit. Two, he's going to make people perceive that he has a gig with them. And it's just like last week, he announced he was going to start doing Amazon Lives. But the thing it turns out is that anybody can do Amazon Live, we found out. So I need your help, you guys, because I don't follow or I been blocked by have been blocked by Jax is that let me know when he starts announcing the Amazon live because I'm serious we are going to be recapping his Amazon live um, but keep an eye on this if you guys have more information about examples of this and especially what went down with Brittany Cartwright from Vanderbump rules please let me know and um, the other thing before we we get to Jamie I want to compliment once again the ladies of Real Housewives of Potomac. If you're not watching Real Housewives of Potomac, that is a huge mistake on your part. It is a huge oversight. It is so good. You guys, on Sunday night, there was a plot line where Zen Wen, Wendy Osefo, you know, has a candle line and it she has a one wick candle line. But Karen Huger has a grand dom, grand dom candle line all of a sudden, but it's a three wick candle line. So Karen knew that the La Dom brand was going to be doing a three wick candle. So when Wendy came to her about her one wick candle, Karen didn't feel the need to tell her about her three wick candle because she was like, it's three wicks. Yours is one wick. So there's no conflict of interest here. And to me, that is exactly why I love reality shows is that we have a candle wick plot line. Like, I'm not joking. I died. I was laughing my ass off that that was. And Karen was like, no, come on, honey. That's three three wicks. No, are you kidding me? No, no, it's, there's total difference. Yours is one wick. I'm three wicks. And then, like, I don't know a lot about candles like all you ladies do. Um, but, like, then people were talking about wood wick candles. I don't even know. Like, wood wick candles. There's fucking wood wick candles? What are we talking about here? What are we doing with our lives? Wood wick candles? My God. Like, I didn't realize candles went this deep. But the fact that we have a candle plot line in Real Housewives of Potomac, like, it works for me. Like, I'm just, I was dying laughing. I, I thought all day about just, like, well, that's a one wick. Like now, if anybody half asses something, I'm like, that's a total one wick candle move. Or, you know, 
if I if I want excellence, I'll always be like now from here on out, I'll be like, I want to treat this like a three wick candle. And by the way, can you go four wicks? How many wicks can where do we top out on the wicks? How many is there a Guinness Book of World Records for how many wicks have been on a candle? Because I think Karen could get into the 20s, like a 22 wick candle. Or could So Bad It's Good have a candle? Could we have an 80 wick candle? Like, what if I get into the candle? Like, should it, what would the sense be? Like, oh, s- slick stuff, the Garth Brooks candle. Or we could have Justin, like, uh, do you have your computer with you candle? Um, there's, we, we, God, maybe that's it. Maybe we don't do t-shirts, Medica. Maybe we do, maybe we do candles. What if, what, what if I like, and then it hit me. I should have been a candle maker. Um, you guys, that is it today for the uh, jibber jabber. Um, uh, but we'll be back uh, bright and early on Wednesday with uh, a really funny segment about the Girardi Keys estate sale. We have a special guest. I'll do some comedy bits. I got some voicemails to play for you. Uh, we're going to have some fun and we're going to keep having fun. And Wednesday, you guys, of course, Real Houses of Beverly Hills airs. And then Friday, I'm already excited for that recap. Oh, I'm having the best time doing those. Thank you so much for listening to those. But uh, but I do want to highlight our, our next guest. Uh, I talk about him in the intro, so I'm not going to talk about it right here. But Jamie Stein from the podcast Deep Dive with Jamie Stein. Here he is. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to So Bad It's Good with Ryan Bailey. Today, we are so lucky. Uh, this is a guest, actually, that so many people have requested. Um, I just want to make it clear. I did not want him on, but so many people requested him that it was like, okay, I get it already. But then I listened to his podcast. And this is, you guys, this is like the only good thing about having a podcast that people listen to is that I can get other people to listen to awesome podcasts. And let me just read you the description of his podcast. Uh, Jamie Stein is a therapeutically trained intuitive and empath who views movies, reality, TV, and pop culture at windows into our collective uh, humanity. Episodes alternate between taking a psycho-spiritual look at our favorite movies slash reality TV shows and answering listeners' personal questions. But then you get into the actual episodes of it. Okay, this is just uh, like a week and a half ago, a performance within a performance within a performance, peeling back the uh, the mini personas of Erica Jane uh, with Piper, who's amazing. Uh, she episodes go. Why is Sutton Strack so triggered by gift giving? Different levels of consciousness exploring the many identities of Portia Williams. I mean, this it goes into all the stuff we love in such a deep, beautiful way. Because I know we do a lot of ha ha jokes here, um, and I don't want to say I don't make points. But there is such beautiful conversation being had that actually strikes into so much of a deeper level. But it just it's so soothing to listen to. I was just listening to the performance within a performance. Uh, just start there, you guys, even. It was so great. But anyways, I, I'm wasting time talking about how great he is when you can actually hear for yourself. So Jamie Stein, uh, welcome to the show. And also, guys, the, the podcast is called Deep Dive with Jamie Stein. So Jamie Stein, thank you for being here. Oh, no, no, no problem. I'm happy to be here. And thank you. That was such a sweet introduction. I'm so no, happy. 
I actually had um, dinner with you and uh, and, and a, a podcasting uh, greats. So we had Jess Rothschild from Hot Takes and Deep Dives, Laura Marie Shanehalls from Sex Unique Podcast. And that was months and months ago. And I didn't even know you were Jamie Stein until you, because I only knew you from like a photo and your hair is longer than it was in the photo. And then I was like, oh my God, you're Jamie Stein. What... <laughs> Cause you do have this amazing reputation, but like, fill me in. Like, what is your background? Like, where do you even, how do you even know you have these gifts or what do you consider? Explain, I, I explain what you are, but yeah. Um, yeah. You know, I always wish I had some sort of really sexy answer for this. <laughs> I don't, everything just kind of evolved. I mean, look, the truth of the matter is I've always, I've always had a certain intuitive flair. That's something I've known for myself. That's something that my friends have known about me. Um, but honestly, you know, I think like a lot of people, I grew up conditioned in certain ways to not necessarily trust my own instincts or to trust my own feelings or to question myself. And kind of like a fish not knowing it's in water when it's in water. Like I just kind of assumed that the way that I experienced the world was very much how everyone else experienced the world and that the things that I was seeing and feeling and perceiving, I literally thought they were just obvious to everyone. And so I kind of bit my tongue a lot and assumed everyone else was experiencing the same stuff. And basically what happened, long story short, is I just, you know, I've always been very serious about my own kind of self-help work, my own consciousness work. So I've been doing that work on myself for decades now. And that led me ultimately to getting therapeutically trained in a body-based psychotherapy that's called core energetics. Um, and I think through that training, um, which is really intense, you know, cause it's like you're in, you know, you're in a training program with other people who are also in the training program. And part of how you learn is you're all doing your process work. So you're doing your work and you're supporting your peers to do their work. And what I started to understand like being in that mix was that the things that I was seeing and hearing and feeling when I would say them, they weren't just the obvious thing that everyone was seeing and hearing and feeling. And I was actually getting access to information that um, was underneath the surface that was deep. I was seeing where the processes would go kind of 20 minutes before they got there. So I started to just get this awareness of like, okay, there really is a deep intuitive flair. And um, I think from there working with clients, so I did do some therapy work. I also used to be a script consultant. So I used to uh, like work specifically with screenwriters, helping them to get creatively unblocked. And so, and I taught screenwriting. So I had all these different, like what I call like legitimate titles, you know, that like shingles I could hang on the door that made me feel like, okay, I have a real yeah. job. But the truth is, the more that I did it, the more I realized there's something going on here that's not therapy, it's not script consultation, it's not teaching screenwriting. I'm getting access to information and I'm helping people uh, move forward in their lives really quickly. And so at a certain point, I was just like, you know what, like it's not satisfying me anymore to kind of hide this. I want to come out of the closet. And I started giving what I call intuitive readings. And so everything just grew from there. Does it, did it ever scare you? No, I love it. I mean, I love it. it. It really, it's what turns me on. You know, like I am, like I'm a spirit junkie. So even though, you know, I do like to say, you know, I'm from Boston, you know, I went to prep school. It's like, I'm from a <laughs> world where that's not really, you know, that's not the culture at all where I got. Yeah. 
But, you know, I was the guy, I would sit there and watch Lord of the Rings and literally cry because, like, I wanted what Frodo had. Like, that sense of, like, connection to something bigger than you and a sense of destiny and purpose, like, it turned me on so much. So, but I also came in my in my history from such a place of self-doubt and fear. So to finally kind of take those steps to trust what was coming through and to follow it and then to see, like, actually, the more that I do this, like, the more access to this information I have. And, you know, it, it is this feeling of, like, I'm working with some sort of unseen force. I just love it. It makes me feel more like me. And I always want more of it. Dude, that's, I mean, self-doubt and fear has been, I've lived with that my entire life. Like, that is, and the only thing that seemed like, you know, finding this podcast and all that has helped so much. But every, but even that, like, I I, I try to explain this to people. I like, I just, it's just so it's overwhelming sometimes the amount of, you know, and you know, it's not normal because some people don't have it or some people have light amounts of it. And, you know, it's not a race to who can have the most self-doubt, but it's so, it's so real, you know, it's so scary to try to like get past these things, but it must be, uh, it must've been so nice to actually be able to like it almost have been like, was it like with the X-Men when you're training with other people with gifts and you're like, we all can do these kind of amazing things that you most people can't do at all. Yeah, there yeah, there was a sense of that. I mean, it, it, I, I definitely felt blessed and fortunate to be in a community of people, many of whom did have their own gifts because, um, you know, not everyone has access to that in their lives. And then I would almost, you know, we were definitely kind of in our own echo chamber. Um, you know, and then, you know, you do you sort of come back to the real world and you realize, oh, this isn't a language that everyone's speaking. And yet it's so helpful. So I did real feel feel very fortunate in that regard. Um, but I also want to like to your previous point, you know, I really want to say that I so relate to everything that you're saying. And it, it's definitely just I mean, to be totally transparent, like this whole journey of even just creating social media content, but certainly starting a podcast. This was not something I ever, ever saw for myself. And it's not, it doesn't come, it's not like second nature to me. And it definitely brought me up against really deep, deep, deep layers of, yeah, just like old areas of humiliation, shame, fear, terror. But in a way it's been great because it's been helping me to really sort of work with that and work through that. Yeah. And that's kind of what I do. It's like, I use everything as just a vehicle for consciousness. So it's like, oh, look at all these feelings that are coming up, you know, as a result of releasing a new podcast episode. Okay, let me look at these <laughs> feelings. Where do they come from? What's this saying? But I totally relate. It's it's so vulnerable and it's, it's and deep. It's, and it is so deep and it's just like, you're like, it's just a podcast and we're talking about reality stars and pop culture figures. But at the same time, those are the people that meant so much to me my entire life. You know, it's like when I was a nerd growing up in Kansas, I, you know, paid attention to Star Trek figures and like all comic books and all these kind of fantasy things because I didn't have a lot of friends. And now it is it's just so that's why these reality star thing, I think it's like an interesting kind of offshoot of superheroes in a way. They're these like bigger than life characters, yet we actually get to talk about them and, and what their motivations are, what's, what's going on behind, beneath the surface. And that's ex especially what your podcast does that I was like, oh my God, you were like going deep in like, it really is what the title is. It's a deep dive. Um, why did you start? Was just too many people going, you're really good at this. You need to like, that's what I'm saying. Why waste this energy on reality stars? That's, that's the question. Um, okay. So I'll answer your question. I also want to say to your point, 
you know, I, I really agree with you. And because sometimes I ask myself the same question, actually, like, why am I doing this? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, I do feel like, look, storytelling, and this is, you know, part of the script consultant coming back out in me, but storytelling has been around, you know, for ages and ages and ages. And it's always helped us to kind of contextualize our experiences as human beings on this earth. But I feel like back in the day, we had Greek myths, you know, and we had, you know, consciously thought out archetypes Obviously, I feel like our relationship to that kind of sacred storytelling doesn't really exist in the same way today, but we do have reality TV and we have pop culture. And my feeling about it is like, these are the myths of our time. So why not deal with these women or these cast members as the archetypes they are and as a reflection of where we are at as a collective? Because guess what? That is what it is. It is a reflection of where we are at as a collective. Um, so that's kind of why it excites me. But to answer your question about like how this happened, I mean, honestly, it, it all unfolded organically and I never really planned it. It's kind of like an accident. I mean, basically, I love The Real Housewives. Um, I was a Real Housewives fan. And the only podcast I listened to as of, you know, four or five years ago was Bitch Sesh. That was the only podcast. Yeah, I yeah. And I was listening to Bitch Sesh. And then right around the time that I mentioned previously where I just kind of come out of the closet as, you know what, I'm an intuitive, I'm offering intuitive readings. I was at my local coffee shop and I was just standing right next to Casey Wilson. So I was like, all right, here's Casey. I was like, look, you know, this is going to sound <laughs> weird. I'm an intuitive. I'm an empath. <laughs> if you'd like to hear it, I have an intuitive message that I'd like to share with you. And um, she was all ears she took in the message and she then went on bitch sesh that week and was like, I was so touched by this experience. This guy doesn't know it yet, but I'm going to bring him on the show to like talk about the housewives. And so a month later I went on bitch sesh, gave all my reads on the women. And so then from there, it was just like, suddenly, you know, a couple hundred people were following me on Instagram and it's like, okay, you know, I, I, this was just my personal Instagram account. Right. And so it's like, people are following me clearly they want to hear more from me. So let me just start creating content for them. And it's just kind of snowballed from there, but I can't stress the degree to which this was never a conscious plan on my part. Um, it really, I feel like I've just kind of been showing up to an unfolding path saying like, okay, what do you want from me now? What do you want from me now? Oh, people are telling me they want me to start a podcast. Let me start a podcast. And that's really, I guess that's, the older I get, that's one of the more exciting things about life or the things that I used to hate about life. I do like now where it's like, okay, well, nothing. Yeah. This wasn't in the cards. Like I was saying, like I was, I, I'm very open with the audience. I was like three years ago, I was married. I was like, this wasn't in, this is the exact 180 of what my life was three years ago. Like there, none of this, I would have even, there's no part of it I would have predicted, except I always like to watch reality TV and I love the housewives. That was the only constant, but any of this, like, this is like, that's why I always think like, I don't know, like my chart is like my, there's no map anymore for me. Like I thought, you know what I'm saying? When you're like, I don't know. It's like, did I survive some kind of death experience? And now I'm like, I don't know where it goes from here. So I just hope people lead me in the right direction or or whatever leads me in the right direction. Um, how do you know, you said you were standing next to Casey and I just listened to her book, you guys. It's so good. The Wreckage of My Presence. Um, but how do you know when you have a message for somebody? Do you, I mean, do you just, just pick that up or how does that work? Well, you have to remember, I've been listening to Bitsesh for a while. So I just was listening. So you were tuned in already. 
Yeah, I just, you know, they, and especially on that podcast, they talk a lot about their personal lives. So I would just get hits and, you know, I mean, she shared it on the, on the podcast itself. My message for her was about her anger because she was talking a lot about her anger. And, you know, I just really felt for her, like, you know, your anger is not a problem. It's just your relationship to your anger. That's a problem. Like you actually, you know, have this really sort of strong feeling heart. And I could just feel there were all these feelings and emotions that wanted to run through her. Um, So yeah, it just, it was by virtue of listening to the podcast, really. And just for people that don't listen to you yet, which by the way, right now you're going to go subscribe to Jamie's podcast and you're going to leave it a five-star review automatically because he's spending time with us today and you already know he's good. So that's what we always do for any podcast. But how, just so what does getting a hit mean for people that don't know? Just, I know that's very common, but what does that mean to you? Well, you know, it means, yeah, it means getting intuitive information about someone. So there are different ways of getting intuitive information. I'm sure people have heard terms like clairvoyant. So when you're a clairvoyant, that means you literally like see images and you interpret them. A clairaudient is someone who will hear messages whispered in their ear. I, my primary means of getting information is I'm clairsentient, which means I feel things in my body. So I literally get gut feelings. So yeah, if I'm talking to someone um, and I hear them saying something, I'll just get these pings in my body around like, oh, I'm sort of drawn to that. Or, I mean, the truth is like anything, we all have access to many different forms. So sometimes I will hear things like sort of float through my head, but yeah, I just get these kind of hits that are like, oh, that's what I think is going on here, or that's what I'm drawn to, or, hey, I want to ask you this question, you know, and it just always takes us somewhere. Um, But I love that you are putting the energy towards these ladies that we all love and that we, I talk about on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. And I guess we'll get into the, the meat of, I guess, what's going on now. And especially because we had an all new episode of Real Housewives of Beverly Hills air last night. Uh, I was listening to your episode with Piper that was about two episodes ago about the dinner with uh, Garcelle and Dorit and Sutton, and they were all asking Erica questions and really, you know, it was at that Christmas dinner. And this last night's episode is a couple weeks after the holidays and they come back and everything is just exploding. But you were talking with Piper about, and I, I talked about this with the audience a couple of weeks ago, Erica Jane did a TED talk, you guys. I think it's like 17 minutes long. And it's very interesting in so many ways, which you were talking about, but she's like, I've got a character named Erica Jane. Like, and, but she talks about it like she's Daniel Day-Lewis. This is a character, a persona that was created. And it's very much, as you were pointing out, is this talking about this character that she went into, but you never really get the sense that she had some kind of resolution with it or, you know, but, but, but that things were happening and she was kind of skirting this line between this lawyerly world where sometimes the Erica Jane character would slip and she would tell body stories accidentally like, I'm going to tell a sex joke at dinner. And then like, uh oh, I'm with lawyers. And then she'd go over to and she was finding this fame, let alone you pointed out the fact that she was doing Chicago on Broadway when Chicago, the plot of that musical itself is very interesting. Plus the court case against Tom, um, originated, I think, in, in Chicago, right? So there were so many interesting things about that. But what is your take? I mean, like, this is the biggest question ever. But what what is the sense you get from Erica? What is going on? Or is the sense there is no sense? Do you mean like in general, or in terms of like the scandal and everything that's happening right now? 
what did you used to think of Erica? How did you used to um, uh, approach her when thinking about her as a character? I, you know, push pull, like she really frustrated me, I think for all the reasons that she frustrated everyone, you know, the, the kind of like, kind of being on the show, but not offering too much. Um, you know, I mean, she kind of committed that fatal flaw in my eyes of um, pretending like she like she's smart enough to know she's not supposed to take herself seriously, but then she actually takes herself really seriously. Um, so she would frustrate me um, because at the end of the day, it was clear that she was full of shit. But at the same time, there was still something that I liked about her. Like I liked her theatricality. I always, and I talk about this a bit in that podcast episode, I've always felt for her ever since she had that kind of conflict with Dorit and PK over the underwear. And the Pantygate, yeah, Pantygate. Yeah, I just sort of saw how that landed with her and I felt her humiliation. And every time Dorit and PK would kind of point their finger and be like, you're cold, you're withdrawn. I really just felt how that hit her in a really deep way. So I think because that happened early on and also the compassion that she showed Yolanda in her first season, like I have felt her humanity throughout and she can be funny too sometimes. So it's just been, it's, it's kind of a thing where it's like, I was rooting for her, but she pissed me off. I kind of wanted her off the show, but I also would be okay with her sticking around if she could open up. She was just a bit of a, a conundrum for me. And then you get to this season and we go in already knowing that we're going to be seeing potentially some uh, intense things because of what's going on in her actual life. Where, I mean, how each week it's like an onion, new things are revealed or like our relationship to what she is portraying becomes murkier and murkier to me. It's not becoming clear, it's becoming a little bit more. And I love what you said about her hurt over the PK and Dorit, like how that hit her, because I'm sensing some of the same stuff with uh, Sutton, especially like, you know, like the, the Sutton, like, oh, you're small town, you're gonna care about what, you know, like it's very, you can yeah, tell. Yeah. Like, you know, like that in the scene this week, you guys, I talked about it where she really just went off the handle and somebody said, wow, Erica really ate something up. And I was like, really? Because to me, it felt like somebody so scared on the inside and coming at Sutton from fear. Yeah, that, that was an interesting moment for me because um, I do, you know, I, my antenna kind of gets the sense that. Erica did have some kind of experience with like that kind of vibe in the small town South. I mean, I talk about this again, in the podcast of feeling like kind of like some energy of being slut shamed of the girls pointing fingers at her of people talking. Erica also has like a very touchy relationship to feeling set up. So if she ever feels set, like that was the whole thing with her and Denise Richards. Like she was fine with Denise until she felt that like she thought they'd squashed it. And then when she had heard that Denise was still talking about it in the background, that's when her guard went up. And it really was this feeling of like, don't like, don't set me up. Don't set me up to look like the bad guy. And I just, you know, anyone who follows me knows I always sort of look at like, what's going on in our current day lives as sort of um, a familiar energetic pattern of things from the past. So I've always just felt with Erica, there's some relationship she has to like being set up, to being made to look like the bad guy, to having fingers pointed at her. So that moment with Sutton, when she made that comment about like, yeah, we're not like back in the South. I, I was totally with you. I was like, this is, she's speaking from experience now. She's triggered and charged around that small town Southern prim and proper. I'm going to look down my nose at you. Like, don't, 
don't fucking make me out to be that girl. Yeah. You, and you just gave me chills in talking about, um, uh, the setup thing, because it, how fascinating that she already potentially had that relationship up with like be, feeling set up and then to have to go through what she's going through now. And partially she, you know, I mean, obviously might be a willing participant and got herself there and, and herself, but like how, like, this has got to be the peak of that kind of like hitting that button for her, you know? Oh, totally. I mean, that's what's so crazy about it. And that's why I do think at the end of the day, Erica, in my sense of things, she's such a powerful manifester because it's like, if you, if, if you think, you know, if you agree with the premise that we're kind of co-creating our lives, like for her psyche to dream up, as you said, this super, super magnified version of being set up and not just set up, but like, yeah, the rug being pulled out from under her. Cause I think with Erica, everything's about power. You know, I think her desire for the wealth and the fame is a false sense of power, you know, and protecting herself against that vulnerability, against that humiliation. Like you're never gonna get me, you're never gonna pin me down. And I think she's always, but the problem with something like that is that ultimately, even if you're tricking yourself into feeling powerful, really your your ego is quite fragile because it's dependent yeah. upon all these false things. And so Erica's always navigating that line of like this overinflated sense of like, I'm above it all versus this extreme fragility where it can all be taken away from her at a moment's notice, which is why, by the way, I think we see her like loser shit over the years like that. But to be in this situation where basically she had like invested everything into this lifestyle and sort of what it meant and how it gave her power. And now the rug is just so pulled out from under her and it's just like, she's humiliated. I mean, this is just a total exercise in powerlessness for her. And I, and I say this every week, it's that the, our ego is not just housewives, but our own personal egos will always get, will always get us in trouble. You know, what we're seeing though, Erica sometimes gets a rap now for not giving attention to the orphans and the widows and the victims of this because her ego is saying, I fought for this. I worked my way up. You're not taking this away from me. Even this past week, she was like, you know, um, I, I made sure I could earn money and I got myself out of there on my own two feet. And normally that would be a very, uh, this amazing message for women, but she's on, she doesn't realize it's on the back of these orphans and widows. So you don't get the same props as a feminist icon because it's based around criminal activity, whether you like it or not. It's not like Tina Turner walking out on Ike Turner after he hit her all those years. This is somebody that like, you're, you're not going to get the same applause. So the story that she's trying to like feed a little bit, or even she might believe it herself, which you guys talked about that you don't even know if she's actually believing some of the things she's saying or not. It's just, to me, this is where you're right. This is Shakespearean. Like this is Shakespearean. Yeah. And I agree with you. I mean, my feeling all along is like the, one of the main reasons she can't let herself connect to the widows and the orphans part of it is because if she does, I feel like that's going to force her to feel the humiliation that she doesn't want to feel like if she really acknowledges, Holy shit this is what Tom did. Like, this is what my life was based on. She has to acknowledge, like in her language, she lost, like she lost big time. She tried to create this powerful life. She thought it gave her power. And now there is fucking egg on her face, like nothing else. And she's going to have to feel that pain and humiliation. She has never wanted to feel. And that's why I think she's just been on Instagram posting all these pictures. It's just like, Oh, you're not same thing with Jen. <laughs> 
you're not gonna no 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 like you don't you're not gonna see me sweat it like you don't you don't get me down and I'm just sitting there like Erica like you are your own worst enemy like you are making yourself look so bad right now and in her head I think she thinks like I'm being strong no I'm I'm being strong and they're not gonna take this away from me and you just but you're right though it, it fits in with her whole backstory though of a small town girl that fought out of there I mean even Shakers in New Jersey working at a gentleman's club working like you know uh, going to danceateria looking at broadway actors saying maybe one day that could be me and then like to right like i mean this is the biggest vision board that she ever had and it came true in some ways you know like to me that is so and to watch this all fall apart i mean that's what i think we're seeing and that's why i hate to say like that's why it's so amazing to watch is that it really is so real this season to me yeah. And I think, you know, for me, I'm always looking at what's the invitation of our life circumstances. And I just feel like there is such a huge invitation for her right now. Like, I feel like what the universe is saying to Erica is like, Erica, give it up, get humble, feel the humiliation, like have the egg on your face, like drop this fight for power because it's like not getting you anywhere. You know, will she come around to that? You know, I don't know. You know, is that how you would advise her? Like if she said, you know, Jamie, I, I really could you actually work with me here? I, I do need some help. I'm feeling blocked. You know, how would you advise with just how would you advise? Yeah, well, I mean, if I were literally working with her, I mean, first things first, I'd want to hear I'm like, you know, not even not from like a gossip standpoint of just like tracking her and her mindset and, you know, taking responsibility for her life standpoint, like, you know, what did you know? What were the red flags? What did you turn a blind eye to? Why did you turn a blind? Like, let's get you in reality about what actually happened. But yeah, kind of like, give it up, Erica, like, let yourself feel this powerlessness that you are interpreting as humiliation because I get it somewhere in your past in the in the small southern town you experienced it as humiliation but understanding you are an adult now and what you are kind of perceiving oh sorry oh. what you are perceiving as this like shameful humiliating experience where like other people like get to laugh at you or get one up on you this is just the pain of your heart and you can let yourself feel the heartbreak. You can let yourself feel the powerlessness. You can let yourself feel the helplessness and just let yourself have that for your own experience and for being in touch with your own feelings and emotions. And then understand like you get to have your own back now and you can sort of stand up tall and be, you know, an agent in your own life. I just think she's operating from a very young place of like, there's a childhood or adolescent experience of humiliation that I have to protect against. And if she could kind of get present to the fact that that's in the past and that her feelings are just her feelings, I would, I would support her to really give, give it up, give everything that you know and think is important is up. Let yourself be misunderstood by people. Let yourself feel how painful that is. And then let's see where that wants to go. But isn't part of human nature and being like tethered to this earth is that we lie to ourselves is that we we lie to ourselves so we can actually live on a daily basis because sometimes the actual reality of our existence is so overpowering and can crush us to the fact that we might not even move well i think that's the image that a lot of people have you know what i mean <laughs> i mean i will say my experience both you know in my own journey and also working with clients is actually i think our minds and our psyches do tend to paint kind of like a life or death picture of if I open up Pandora's box, 
I won't survive it. And I think that's just kind of often a self-protective defense mechanism to keep us from feeling those painful feelings or going where, you know, our ego doesn't want us to go. The truth is humans, we're so resilient and we're so strong and they are ultimately just feelings. Um, And I think, you know, people's refusal to really open up that box, I think is when you see, like if we're talking about housewives, some of these women really start to go kind of crazy, you know? I mean, you see like, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I don't want to be mean, but you know, like, it's like, you know, you get concerned <laughs> about Kim Richards, you get concerned about Sonia Morgan, you get concerned about these you're, women. You're, you're so right. I mean, like I, I saw they, they were talking about Kim on this week's episode at the very end with Kathy and Kyle, which by the way, I really, that's another thing that I love about this season, the emotional resonance. I feel like it's such a, they have such a strong foundation between Kathy and Kyle. And you really sense that relationship, you know, them with the two dinner trays, at the very last scene talking about their mom and talking about not talking to each other for so long. And then they flashed to Kim and the, you stole my goddamn house. And I sat there and go, man, I've worried more about Kim Richards in my life than some of my own family members. It's hard not to worry about her, you know, because I think, you know, at least for me anyways, you really do get this sense that there was a way that she really was a sacrificial lamb for the family and that she was out there kind of, you know, in the stardom earning the money And that, you know, Kathy and Kyle, I mean, through no fault of their own, they were raised in the same system, but you do get this sense like Kim really bore the brunt of a lot of the dark shit that Big Kathy was peddling and that everyone kind of let her bear the brunt. And speaking to like, it's easier not to look, I think it's easier for the two of them to kind of write Kim off as kooky out of Kim than it is to really look at, okay, but like, why is she the way she is? And how does it benefit us if she's just crazy kooky Kim, rather than really looking at, wait a second, there was something we all agreed to as a family. And we've been turning, you know, a blind eye to certain things. I mean, this is me getting really into like the-, the No, rigid- I mean, but but by the way, that's why I was like, I, they were talking about American Woman, that show that was like potentially inspired by Big Cat. And I'm just like, wow, there, there really is a great show there. There really is. And that's why, like, could you imagine if like we're seeing Kathy and Kyle and I'm like, do we dare ask for Kim to come back next season? Do we dare oh. even I, ask for that? I've been daring it all. See, I've been waiting for that all. Like, what are we in? 11 seasons? I've been wanting that all 11 seasons. But um, I will tell you that scene between Kyle and Kim, you asked earlier about kind of getting a hit. So when I was watching that scene and, you know, they were kind of having their conversation about kind of the appropriateness of creating that TV show. I will say I did get this initial hit. I haven't really explored it, but I did get this ping while I was watching it of like, no, 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 no. Kyle, Kyle's presenting this as like, oh, it was just an innocent love letter to mom. Like there was no (laughs) harm intended. And I was just like, there's something she's doing here that's so passive aggressive. Even if she doesn't know it, there's something she's doing here that she did with the creation of the show. It just felt like I can feel it. There's some sort of fuck you in there. There's some sort of power. That's really interesting. That's She knew she was dancing with the rules somehow. Well, Kyle always is that character that we always say she really skirts that line. She really, she walks it really, like she walks a tightrope where she's not, like even in this season, like she's not in with Sutton and Garcelle, but you don't necessarily lump her in with Erica, Jane and Rinna. She's like just in between and kind of plays both sides as I feel like she does a lot in life. 
No, she does. And it's interesting because I never realized how similar she and Lisa Vanderpump were until Lisa was gone. And it's like, oh, here it is. You two, like, it, it makes so much sense why you two were so close. In some ways, Kyle's better at it because I never suspected her in the way. Yeah, because that- Kyle presents as such a, a normal, nice human being. And she kind of like will almost undermine herself. But like, you always got to be careful of that too, because if somebody's bagging on themselves, they're trying to like, make somebody else comfortable, but they not, might not necessarily believe any of the negative things that they're saying about themselves. Just like Kyle, even the little things of like, oh, I always have such a big plate of food. Oh, like just even yeah, these little yeah. things she'll throw out about herself. You kind of like, I don't know, like, I think these shows, unfortunately, have made me so paranoid about every line. Like I, everything is like the Da Vinci code now. Like every line is, wait, you said something earlier or just a second ago about I got a quick hit on that. And then I meant to explore it deeper. What is, when you get a hit about something, what does exploring it deeper mean? Does it mean you just sit there and, and ruminate on it? What does that mean? Yeah, so what I would do if I were by myself, um, yeah, so what I start doing is I, I, I'll i sort of close my eyes and I'll, I call it dropping into. So I'll kind of just, I'll drop into Kyle and maybe I'll look at, like I'll let myself visualize like the American woman logo. And then I'll just kind of see what I feel in my body as Kyle, you know, and I start getting these impulses and these hits. And um, then, yeah, I'll just kind of explore and see where it takes me. So um, I don't know, like another example, like I was doing Summer House recently and it was when Kyle and Hannah were like having a conflict. And so I just dropped into Hannah and I pictured Kyle and I just immediately felt like this attraction to him as like a dad figure. You know what I mean? And so- Which actually is so true. Yeah, I mean, she, yeah. Yeah, that's why I brought up because I that was like a situation where I literally talked about that on a podcast one week and like literally the next week she was like comparing him to her dad. So but like I just use that as an example because it's like I can just I'll just feel that in my butt. It's like I'm looking at Kyle as Hannah and I'm just like, oh, he seems like a man. He reminds me of a dad. So it's like I'll just sort of go in my body and feel um, or if there's someone else around, like my friend Piper, I might say, hey, Piper, I've got this hit about American woman. Like, let's talk about it. You know? Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. But we got to do a commercial break here. We, I am so proud. Folks, summer is just around the corner. So it's time to say goodbye to those jackets and sweaters and hello to shorts and tees. Now I wanted to update my wardrobe for the long haul without spending a fortune. And luckily I found Quince. Now I have a lineup of timeless pieces I want that will keep me looking fresh year after year. I got a pair of tan shorts. I got a pair of green shorts. I cannot wait to style these for summer. And I got to tell you, the quality is great. Great, because Quince has all the seasonal must-haves, like 100% European linen shirts from $30, performance polos, and versatile flow knit activewear. The best part? All Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman by partnering directly with top factories and passes that savings on to us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. So you can feel good about what you're wearing on every level. So upgrade your wardrobe. Go to quince.com slash so bad for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash so bad to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash so bad. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yeah, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. 
So, the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. When it comes to the plant-based eating debate, there's more to consider than just healthy or unhealthy. Of course, we want to eat things that make us feel good and generate energy to keep us going, but there's also a major environmental component that drives a lot of people to a plant-focused diet. But you don't have to give up some of your faves entirely. Impossible Foods makes meat from plants. They're solving the meat problem with more meat. By creating delicious meat from plants that's better for you and the planet, Impossible lets you enjoy some of your favorite meaty products with a plant-based twist. Ground beef, homestyle meatballs, sausage patties, all made from plants. And that's just a few of their delicious and versatile options. No more tension between craving meat but not wanting to eat so much of it or sacrificing your carnivorous faves for your health. Indulge in nutrient-packed, plant-based goodness and feel good doing it. Check out impossiblefoods.com to see how you can help solve the meat problem with more meat. That's I-M-P-O-S-S-I-B-L-E-F-O-O-D-S.com. Now that we have two sponsors uh, supporting the pod this week, HelloFresh. We know HelloFresh. We love HelloFresh. They're back with us. And then a new one. Get ready, folks. Ready Slim. Ready. This is like made for me. So... Uh, I got to say, they sent me this about a week and a half ago, and I don't know if you've heard a little bit more bounce in my step or if you've seen my pictures on the old Instagram. I'm looking a little bit more thinned out in the face, I think. You're like, no, you don't, Ryan. But I think I do. I have more energy. I feel lighter. I have gotten better sleep. I mean, I don't know. I've just been kind of hiding in the bedroom for my parents. Uh, And I have been waking up better than I have in a while. Uh, And get this, you guys. This is from a detox tea. I am finally promoting a detox tea. This is a cool one. I think ready slims, ready slims. Detox teas are made with high quality, 100% organic herbs that gently boost your metabolism and help digestion while also reducing bloating and gas. Is this, I can, I talk like this with you guys. Can I say that it's reduced my bloating and gas? So I added this to my lifestyle and I have lost 4.2 pounds according to my digital weight machine thing. So ready slims detox teas are made with no fillers, no additives and no laxatives. So they're safe to drink daily. Now ready slims 28 day detox tea kit has everything you need now this is this is what they call it the wakey wakey morning detox tea helps boost your energy levels to start your day off right and then they have a snoozy night detox tea now snoozy you guys is spelled s-n-o-o-z-z-z-y and it helps you relax and supports the natural detox process while you get your well-deserved beauty sleep. So I'm about to take my detox tea, my night detox tea here in a second after I finish. I'm usually kind of amped from screaming into a microphone. So the best part of Ready Slim is how it aids in weight loss. Plus, it is keto-friendly. So like I said, I am actually using these. I will keep you posted this week as I do it more, but it really has helped me. And I am always looking, I'm not trying to look for the next diet fad, but as I get older and it's something that I've had to, uh, work at my entire life, because I've told you guys, I yo-yo in weight. I've been big, I've been small, but I'm always trying to look to get healthier. And I got to just be honest with you. This, uh, have you heard about this pandemic we had it? Uh, it, 
it kicked me in the nuts and I gained a bunch of weight during the pandemic, like a lot of us did, but I'm trying to get it off and I'm trying to do it healthy. And this is all made with natural ingredients. And I was like, this actually sounds cool. Let me try it. So I'm going to share more of my experience, but it has been good so far. So say hello to a better, brighter you. And right now for a limited time, you can save 25% on your first order of Ready Slim's 28-day detox tea kit, plus get a free collapsible water bottle. Wait, I didn't get the free collapsible water. What the heck? So go to readyslim.com slash so bad. That's R-E-A-D-Y-S-L-I-M dot com slash S-O-B-A-D to save 25% on your first purchase of Ready Slim's 28-day detox tea kit, plus a free collapsible water bottle readyslim.com slash so bad. Wow. Okay. So welcome that as a new sponsor. And of course, hello. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Fresh, you guys. We love HelloFresh. What is HelloFresh? If you don't know, where have you been? This is literally the number one food delivery service. With HelloFresh, you get fresh, pre-measured ingredients and mouth-watering seasonal recipes delivered right to your door. So you skip trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. And that's why it's America's number one meal kit. You guys, for real, like we're getting back to work now and... You don't want to have to stop at the grocery store. Actually, it is so hard to even get to work or do anything normal these days. Take one of these worries out of your head and just go with HelloFresh. So uh, fall is right around the corner. Oh my God, it's almost fall. So HelloFresh recipes, they have all new fall recipes. Uh, they help you with meal planning, the shopping, the chopping. It all comes in these really cute individual packages. Um it was actually really uh, cool. Like, I felt like an actual chef. I felt like, re oh, no, I'm not going to even say his name. I watched that Anthony Bourdain documentary, you guys, Roadrunner. I highly recommend. I wish I knew how to cook, but I don't. But HelloFresh takes all of that out of your, like, they have a simple, easy-to-follow recipe where a dumb dumb like me can fully do it. This is the other cool thing. HelloFresh offers the flexibility you need to easily customize your order on the app within minutes. They have an app for this now. There's an app for everything. So you can easily change your delivery day, your food preferences, your plan size, your plan size, or you can even skip a week whenever you need to. And so if you guys are all vegan, they have vegan meals. If you want if you're meat friendly, they have that. If you're looking for more light meals, they have that. You can customize this. It's really cool. They really are trying to help you out with whatever you need for each individual experience. And that is huge. So for me, this did help because uh, I, as you know, um, I, I am not the best at taking care of. Literally, guys, I'm living on detox tea right now. 
but they sent this. I made the chili meal. I made the chicken meal and it was really good. It was really, I just kind of walked away with a sense of pride. I know you guys are better cooks than I did. I am, but you can even give your husbands this or your wives this and say, you do this and it's easy to follow. Um, so I think it's, really well worth it. And this is actually really cool. So go to hellofresh.com slash so bad 14 and use code S O B A D 14 for up to 14 free meals, including free shipping. So once again, that's hellofresh.com slash so bad 14 and use code so bad 14 hellofresh. It is America's number one meal kit. And now, um, now Lisa Rinna, of course, we know she's the undead, so you can't get a hit on her, right? Like, there's no way you can tap into Lisa. I mean, you know, no, I, I you know, I, I've explored Lisa a bit. I mean, what do you want to know? Well, I mean, I don't, I really, I just dislike her greatly. So it's like, she's one of those people. I want to know why she's up in everybody's business yet doesn't really confront anything. I mean, there is such a, I don't know, there is such a thirst in her and you can kind of respect it in a way because she's like clawing at some kind of like relevancy, but wow. like that, that I don't believe she had before. Uh, I think the housewives gave her such a new lease on any kind of Hollywood lifestyle, which she just so desperately wants. But I do find it very interesting that she will throw anybody under the bus to get where she wants to get. And I also think I need your opinion. Do you think she, I feel like sometimes she's her picker is not, is not like she's right now standing behind Erica Jane 1000% and says, you know, no, we gotta, come on. And it's like, wait a sec. You didn't do that with Denise, who was your actual friend. And we actually know like you were potentially going to destroy a relationship by keep pushing what you were pushing at. But Erica Jane, like to me, I'm like, wait, this is so, to me, it's just bizarre. Like, I mean, where do you, what's your read on her? Well, I feel like, well, so in general, my read on her, yeah, I think she comes from a place of kill or be killed. And so I think that that really means something to her on a personal level. Like that there is something inside Lisa Rinna that's kind of like, it's it's us against the world. And I think that's sort of part of like the hustler in her. Like I gotta like go out there and do it. And if I don't like, yeah, it's kill or be killed. Like I really think on an unconscious level, that's where she's coming from in life. And so I think then when she's on the show, the show really becomes a vehicle for that impulse that I think already lives in her. And it kind of gives her an even sort of more robust, uh, sort of almost like literal vehicle for it, if that makes sense. Um, and I think, yeah, I think her attitude towards the show is just like, we got a show to a show to do. It is kill or be killed, better, better you than me. It's sort of what I hear from her. And hey, business is business, baby. Doesn't matter, we've been <laughs> friends for 20 years. And I think with Denise, like I think she went into that season feeling like I'm gonna take down Denise. But my sense of it was once Denise kind of tripped up, you know, where Denise kind of, I mean, I forget all the details, but Denise kind of like overreacted at like the barbecue and, you know, kind of like somehow sort of fumbled the ball a little bit. That was the moment where I could kind of feel Lisa being like, hey, you threw the steak out to the lion. Like you walked into the lion's den with a piece of steak. Like now you're going to get eaten. I think the difference between Denise and Garcelle, I really just, I, I'm sorry, um, Erica, is that um, I think she can't, I, look, this is the thing. I think Lisa obviously is always really aware of fan response. And I think she's sort of, I think she's very reactive. I think she's in the moment. And I think she kind of modulates 
herself based on like the input she's getting from the outside world. So she knows she pissed a lot of people off last season and she pretends not to care, but obviously she cares. So I think she kind of came into the season kind of like she did. There was like the Munchausen season or no, there was the Kim Richards. Uh, she's going to die. Yeah, season. Oh, yeah. 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 And then the season after that, if you remember, Lisa was very chill and she was very calm. And Vanderpump even said, Lisa, you're you're not yourself anymore. You know, and Lisa Rinna was like, yeah, Vanderpump, you're not getting me to play that game again. I kind of feel like that's sort of what was happening this season where it was like, I know I sort of like got a lot of heat for throwing Denise under the bus. I'm going to like, oh, my friend's in trouble. I'm sticking by her. I'm a good friend this season. I stick with Erica through thick. <laughs> this is the kind of friend I am is kind of what I'm hearing. And it's, and it's still so bizarre because it's like, well, you're still not living in any kind of reality. You think you're doing this correct thing. And it's still reading to me as like a classic Lisa Rinna-ism. You know, like for me, it's, I don't know. Like for me, I don't think of that as good friend. I think of that as somebody like, I don't know. Like it almost feels... Um, Malefic. It almost feels. Uh, I don't want. What's a better word than evil? It just feels dark to me. Well, it's interesting too because it does feel like when I just said like this is the kind of friend I am. I really heard a fuck you in it too. Almost like a fuck you to the viewers. Like this is the kind of friend I am. That's fuck you. Yes, that's it. That's what like she's laughing at us. Like ha ha, you know. But it's also in a weird way. It's like, see, I do have conviction. See, I do have morals. I mean, it's a weird thing to say in this context, but like. Fuck you. You were wrong. But the other thing that I hear, and I don't quite know what this means. It would be interesting for me to go in at some point and explore this more. I do hear the words like partners in crime. So I want to be clear, not like literal, because I know there's like stories about like Erica invested in. See, I think that's a rumor. I've I've never seen actual proof of that. Like, and and then the housewives uh, multiverse is so full of rumors right now that it's so ridiculous. Like, no. you know, even with the New York casting, like guys, we'll find out it don't tear each other apart about this stuff, you know? Yeah. But there's something, there's something about the energy of partners in crime, which is also interesting because they're all, I mean, it annoys me when they do this, but they always like, uh, self-style themselves, Thumb and Louise. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so there's something there. And I'm like, Lisa, did you see the end of Thelma and Louise? They die together. Like, that's, like, this is not Romeo and Juliet. This is not, you know. Well, also, as someone who loves Thelma and Louise, there is nothing about Erica and Lisa that in any way embodies the energy of Thelma and Louise. I mean, I, this is me being a stickler, but, like, pick a different duo. Like, that you just, you aren't Thelma and Louise stand-ins. But there's something, yeah, there's some sort, I have to explore this at some point. It does feel like there's some sort of, partner in crime sort of bond relationship between them there's something there is something there that i think lisa gets out of this emotionally there's some sort of charge there for her it really i I really i really do feel like there is something there even like with their social media they're posting pictures with each other but whatever um i do find it interesting and i don't know if it's the day and age in which we live in or that we're coming to some sort of head and we've been in such an intense uh with with covid and all of this stuff but it seems like um, just in the housewives universe, if we're going to put a mirror up to society, there are so many criminals that are involved in housewives. Like we said, whether it be Jen Shaw, you can go back to Risa and Joe Giudici. You, I, I, I really don't believe any of them really pay their taxes, but who cares? I don't believe a lot of Americans pay their taxes, but, um, like what, I mean, does this show attract, I mean, is, is that what this show does nowadays? Is it, is that we're seeing all of these girls that grew up on housewives and they're like, I'm going to be a housewife too, by any means necessary. And 
it almost attracts a criminal sort or are we just all criminals in a way? <laughs> like, I mean, it's a really interesting question. I mean, it is an interesting question and it's interesting that it's become so visible lately. Yeah. You know, I mean, there's a few things that occur to me. I mean, as you're speaking, one, I'm just remembering, you know, I mean, I guess I don't know if anything's been proven at this point, but just, you know, our very last president, you know, there was sort of accusations of like tax fraud and whatnot. So, I mean, in some ways, it, it I guess it does seem like a reflection of where we're at, you know, that criminality seems yeah. sort of largely pervasive. Um but also, what was the other thing? I mean, I think it's also worth noting that in all of these cases, the criminal activity was predating the show, like their lives on the show. So I think that's sort of interesting to note. So I guess, you know, I don't know, maybe there's a question there about the kinds of person that this attracts, you know? And, yeah. You know, whether, yeah, reality TV stardom, Maybe like the, the Venn diagram, there's just kind of a nice overlap there. Um, I mean, I get more curious about the people who haven't gotten into trouble yet. Like, it is shocking to me that Dory and PK, that that house of cards has not fallen yet. Now, that's a great one because I feel like Dorit um, this season has really flown under the radar until these last couple of episodes. Like she really could have just sat there, even her, I was talking this week about her housewives tagline of like, I put on an outfit and then tomorrow I'll put on another outfit. And that was like her tagline. And I'm like, you're pretty much saying you're just a mannequin doll and you just put clothes on, but it's like, fine. We've had such a great season that you don't need to read. And then the last couple of episodes, she's all of a sudden tried to be like, put her two cents in and done it in such a horrible flame out way. But I made a point a couple episodes ago where I was like, can you, is it just me or is Dorit watching extra carefully at these scenes of like, this could be me one day. Oh, oh, that's interesting. Like, it just seems like she's sometimes avoid, well, until this last couple of episodes and then that, that blows my theory. But my theory was she was just really taking a step back. Cause she was like, you know what? I'll just watch. I'll just, I'll just watch and listen and I'll just, wear my outfits, you know? It, it, I mean, this episode in particular, like I found myself feeling like, is Dorit coming a little bit crazy? Like she's <laughs> yes. a, little, a little nuts to me. Yes. Like, like a wind-up doll in her own little world, sort of tootling around, like to your point, in her outfits. It was, it, it, something feels disconnected. And I remember like when she first came on the scene and everyone hated her, I remember kind of liking her because I was like, yeah, she's annoying. I didn't like what she did with Erica. But what I remember liking about her was she had a heat. I was like, oh, you, you know, you you got fire in you. She's feisty. She felt very sexually charged. Like, I liked her energy. And it's interesting. I'm just thinking now, like, she doesn't, she feels so much more like almost Stepford-y now. Like, a lot of that heat that she used to have, that same spark isn't there in her anymore. That's really fascinating. You're, you're totally right. And just, she wouldn't drop it at that, like, you're jabbing me, Garcelle. Jab, 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 jab. And like everybody was even at the table. Like we all took a pause out of this Lisa Renna beauty and Erica Jane stuff to go, oh, Dorit's such a talker. What a piece of crap. Like they're all, they were all kind of laughing at Dorit. They're all like, we've all been Doritated at one point or another. And they were all laughing at Dorit, yet she was still like trying to hammer at Garcelle. But you're right. I do wonder there's been so many rumors about PK's financial um, issues. Uh, there are things on record that he has a gambling debt at the Wynn Casino for over a million dollars. That was, 
yeah, I mean, that, I mean, there are things on record, you know, people have come up to her and said, uh, that, that her husband owes them money. So this stuff is out there, but will we ever see it? Or are some people just blessed to have things never land on them? I mean, it makes me think that he, I'm, I don't know how he does it, but he must have some degree of money actually come into his life to where he can kind of, kind of like what Tom Girardi was doing for a while, where he can just cover things enough to where like, you know, they're not coming after him because, you know, obviously they've been on the show for like seven years now. So you'd think if it were going to collapse, it would have collapsed. It's like he has boy George is a drug mule or something. He's like, boy, we need you to take this to Columbia on a world tour. Um, speaking of criminals, as you just mentioned, Tom Girardi, and is that would you ever try to get a hit on him to ever? Uh, so, what was your experience of that? Because my thing is, I, I've really tried to think about him, and I always I keep wondering about the first time he did this, the first time he you know, committed a crime because this has been going on for four decades, supposedly. So I keep wondering about that first time. And it almost was like, is it, is it the sense that he can keep this going? And it was almost exciting to him because this was part of, this was part of the business to him was just keep it going. And that was part of the excitement for somebody, a master of the universe. What was, what did you get on him? Yeah. Yeah. So I literally like one of my podcast episodes is like, I, I dropped in uh, to Tom towards his victims and like sort of how he, yeah, what came up in Tom. And so with that, what came through really strongly was this notion, basically kind of like, I I got this money for you. Like you wouldn't have ever gotten this money if it hadn't been for me. I'm the one who, oh. I have a right to it. And as I kind of kept feeling more and more into it, and actually I think you, I listened to something that you did. You spoke to this. Um, I, I really felt this like um, kind of this inner conflict around what it means to be like the good boy and sort of the good, cause you remember in the, in, even in the documentary, he says like, I'm a good guy. Yeah, he goes, come on, I'm a good guy, yeah. And if you don't, think about don't his, be mad. his whole persona was, it wasn't just that he was a successful lawyer, it was he was a champion for the underdog. Like he was the good guy. And I just started getting this sense of him as like, this guy who always had to be the good boy, who always had to do the right thing for other people. And it's like, I almost, I think I said this on the podcast, I almost had this image of him as like a young guy, like having the paper route to like support his family, but then like pilfering a few bit, like this is mine. You know what I mean? Like the, I yeah. earned, this is mine. Yeah. And then he kind of becomes the like, yeah, the, the good guy lawyer. And so it's like, I'm owed this basically. And uh, yeah, in that place, like you would be nothing without me. I'm the one who went out and did, this is my protest. This is the place where I get to say, no, like I'm not, you know, I'm not gonna always be the good boy. But I think part of it too, I've dropped into him at other times. And, um, oh yeah, when the, when the rumors first started coming out, like way back at the beginning last year, I dropped into him in relationship to money. And what I felt was I heard the lyric to this uh, Fiona Apple song where, where basically I just heard the words like, I've been a bad, bad boy. I just felt the energy of like, yeah, I'm a good lawyer by day. And at night I do all sorts of naughty stuff. And that there's something about the charge of that split personality where like, 
again, like good boy in the daytime, but then at night I'm like, you know, I, I mean, I don't know what he was actually doing, but like, you know, at the strip clubs, you know, flaunting my well, doing all sorts of naughty things. So to me, it feels very, I think it feels very compulsive. Like, I think that he had a compulsive relationship to money. I think he liked to be naughty. I think he liked to be bad. I think he was probably kind of like, if I trust this information, kind of chasing the next thrill and then kind of use this money because on some level he felt entitled to it. Yeah, that's actually a great, that's great. I mean, and to go back to Erica, I know we've over talked this, but you guys, we, I mean, this is just, you could talk about this for hours and hours and hours. The Erica Jane persona, you know, it's, it makes me laugh sometimes because at the end of the day, it's just Erica Jane. It's not like this is Lady Gaga. It's not like it's, you know, but, but it is something, it is something of note of she created this. She did, she did create this or it was bought for her. Like even, you know, you said you liked her in earlier seasons, but I'm like, well, what did we like though? We liked like Mikey Menden was writing her lines for the talking heads. You know, those were all choreographed. She even let us know of like, you know, they would have the color scheme. And this was a very bot character to me. And sometimes I always felt um, it was um, style, not substance. Like I never sometimes felt I got to be, I never got to be like, I never rooted for Erica because I never got the sense there was somebody there because it was so covered up in clothing and wealth yeah. that that to me. And also like some of her clapbacks I felt were very written or using props with a champagne glass. So to me, there was no there there, which is so interesting. I was thinking about Andy Kaufman, uh, the performance artist, comedian, and you know, he would get locked in these characters and people would, you know, like, come on, Andy, drop out of it, drop out of it. And, you know, I'm like, I'm not saying Erica Jane, some performance artist or something, but it is interesting of like, I don't buy the Erica Jane persona. I don't think that's who she is. It's such a cover up, like we were saying earlier. And that's why you can get her when you, uh, you know, kind of attack her or point fingers. But, you know, will she ever, I mean, you said you would advise her to, but will she ever drop out of it? Like, will... Oh, <laughs> I know. No, I mean, I guess I don't know the question. It's just that um, I wonder, like, for people like that that are so locked into this thing, right. will they ever be able to drop out of it? Well, it's interesting. You definitely should finish listening to my Erica Jane episode because everything you just talked about, we get we get into that the hollowness of like her star persona, all of that, and even this question of like, could she actually drop in? When at the time we recorded that, like my cynic, my cynic hat was on. It was just like, look. She's so stubborn. She's so willful. She's given no indication that she's willing to feel any of the deeper feelings. So I was kind of writing her off, you know, as you can hear Piper, you know, felt more optimistic or not optimistic, but was holding out more hope. And I kind of was touched by that, <laughs> by Piper's sort of willingness to believe. Because the truth is, look, I work with people. You know what I mean? And so I, I do see over and over and over really what I would call the magic and the miracles that happen when people are willing, you know, to do the deeper work of getting in touch with their actual feelings and taking responsibility for those feelings and the choices they've made in their lives. So, I mean, I think the answer to the question is, I think she could, especially because she is a powerful, strong woman who clearly manifests in a really big way. Um, you know, will she? I don't know. We have free choice. You know, it's really up to her. I think in some ways, in some ways, this is the best thing that could have ever happened to her from a spiritual perspective, because I think with someone like her, it needs to be 
this fucking huge in order to bring her to her knees to hit that rock bottom. Oh, that's chilling. Yeah. But again, will she accept the invitation? We don't know. Cause I mean, then we do a free choice, you know? So I, I hope for her, she does because you know, you were sort of speaking to, I agree with you, Erica Jane, it's hollow. It's cliche. It's banal. I don't consider her a good performance artist at all. I will say just to go back to your what I would clarify is I didn't so much love Erica Jean, but what I did love was that she was a 45-year-old woman who had reinvented herself, was sort of overtly sexual, and had had these dance hits even before being a housewife. That was the stuff that I liked about her. But I agree with you, the, the act itself, not so much. Yeah. But I think that if Erica could drop in more into the truth of who she is, I think for her it's a lot about um, bringing more of a, her vulnerability to the table, you know, bringing more of her heart to the table. Um, and I think, you know, she, I think it's interesting because she calls herself a performance artist. I don't think Erica Jane is very good performance art, but I feel like if she could connect to her heart and to her vulnerability, if she could get honest about the life she set up for herself and maybe yeah, the ways and places that she did turn a blind eye and things like that, I think she could maybe ultimately create some amazing like, performance art musical theater about her life and what she's learned and what it means to be a performer versus like your real self. I mean, that's kind of what I see for her maybe on like a higher self level of like, let me really bring something that's like truly bold and unique to the world. But I think as long as her heart's kind of disconnected, it's always going to feel hollow. Yeah. Now that's, um, would you ever work with people that, um, that fight your advice? that fight what uh, their path is? Would I? No, I said, do you, does that ever oh, come up? Like, I say, I would imagine when people come to you, they already want to better themselves or to hear something or something to do. Or do you have a lot of people that fight you on, not fight you physically, but like fight it? Like, nah, that's not, that's, yeah, you're, you're wrong about that. Nah. Um... I mean, okay. I mean, there's the people who come for kind of initial readings and then there are people who I sometimes work with like on a deeper ongoing level. Obviously the people who are, the people who are working with me on a deeper level, they've already, you know, they know who I am. So they're jiving with me. So obviously they sort of like are in agreement of, you know, the way that I'm kind of holding their process. I think in readings, um, I've, Oh, actually, there was one person who fought. There's literally <laughs> one person in the who fought. It was Ramona Singer, baby. Yeah. <laughs> um, but no, I think sometimes the version that I experience is sometimes, yeah, I'll get hits on something. And yeah, maybe it doesn't land at first. And they're like, ah, no, I don't know about that. But what's so interesting is like, as we keep going, I mean, so many times when that happens, like 20 minutes later, they'll say something. And I'm like, wait a second. What did you just say? Like you, just, that very thing that you just said is exactly what I was talking about before. And then you kind of watch and be like, oh, I didn't even like connect it like that. Um, I will say though, like just kind of on a bigger level, it feels important for me to say uh, for some reason, like my intention in doing this really isn't about, actually, I'm really passionate about this. It isn't about like, okay, I, Jamie Stein, have my advice and I want you to follow what I am saying is the thing you should do. What I'm really attempting to do, what I intend to do as an empath, as an intuitive, is to really reflect back to you what I feel in you. Like, look, this these are the feelings that are want to speak. This is sort of my sense of like the energy inside you. And so for me, it's really about supporting people 
to reconnect with themselves and their own inner wisdom and their own sense of whom they are. And so hopefully if I'm doing a good job of that, typically people feel very like seen and heard and reflected. And I actually, in a way, want nothing more than for people to feel empowered and comfortable enough to say, actually, that's not the right decision for me. This is what's right for like when people do that, that's what I feel like, okay, I'm really doing my job because I don't want people just deferring to me. I want them. We all have our own inner wisdom. You know what I mean? And I, that's what I want for people. I want Ryan Bailey to be an empowered guy connected to his own inner wisdom. I want to be empowered connected to my own inner wisdom. Maybe sometimes we'll get along. Maybe sometimes we won't, but we're both kind of just doing our own thing. Are there any truth to the rumors that you dropped in on Jax Taylor and you felt the darkest force you've ever felt in your life? Is that just a rumor? It's not. It's not. <laughs> no, but it's funny you say that. Jax Taylor was the first one. So initially I was just kind of talking about the housewives. Jax Taylor was literally the first Bravo celebrity that I was like, you know what? Let me make a video where I literally drop in and channel it was when he was fighting with tom remember when how he was like so angry at tom sandoval yeah yeah, yeah. And i was like i'm gonna drop into jacks and find out why is he so angry at uh tom sandoval and that was literally the first uh that was my entry point into sort of doing like the drop-ins so i have a special place in my heart for jacks because that actually <laughs> opened up a door and honestly it it made it connected me to skills i didn't even know i had because that started happening in readings where people would talk about like their husband or their father. And suddenly I could start feeling the energy of like people who weren't even in the room. And I could start embodying people who weren't even in the room. And I never did that before I started doing these housewives videos. So I feel like the housewives videos really opened something up in me. And like I said, Jax Taylor was like the entry point. So, uh, you know, I owe a debt of gratitude to Jax. Do you ever, um, you know, you watch all of these shows. We were talking about you watch New York, you watch, uh, do you watch Potomac? Oh yeah. I watched it all. Yeah. I mean like, so you watch all of these shows for me, like now that I do the podcast, I, I really, I take notes. I really study these things. And sometimes it, it, where it used to be this purely escapist thing that I used to really just treasure, I treasure it still, but in a very different way, does it ever, um, do you, I mean, are, do you ever, are you ever able to log off of your mind, you know, where you can just enjoy these things for the purely escapist storytelling it is or are you always seeing these things on this, this very intense level? Well, I was doing this anyway. You know what I mean? So now it's just like, I'm able to bring it to my business. So yeah, yeah. Um, yeah no, I still, you know, I watch the shows and I enjoy them. And if I stopped doing what I was doing, I'd still watch them, you know, and I'd still analyze them. So um, no, for me, it's still fun. And, you know, I kind of talk, you know, cause people sometimes ask like, are you processing all this information at this deep level when you're watching the shows? And the way I always talk about it is kind of like, to me, the initial hits are like breadcrumbs, you know, and it's like, I can choose to follow the trail of breadcrumbs or I can just kind of stay outside the edge of the forest. So like, you know, what I was talking about with Kyle is a perfect example. It's like, there was a breadcrumb around her relationship to American woman, but I haven't decided to follow that trail of breadcrumbs. Now, if I want to make a video or do a podcast about it, then I'll sit down and that to me will feel like work. But just watching the show and getting a hit, that's, yeah, it's still fun for me. What leads you to, uh, how do you, where do you find the things that you want to talk about on the pod? Where, where do, what, uh, what motivates you for a show? You know, how do you know, okay, I really want to drop in on this. I think this is going to make a good podcast. You know, how do, how does your creativity with that come into play? I don't fucking know. Uh, 
<laughs> by the way, guys, what he just said sums up podcasting to it. I don't fucking know. Like literally, I'll be at three in the morning at it. I don't fucking know. Well, you gave me that advice because I remember I DM'd you after our dinner and I was like, oh, I should have picked because I had literally, I think I just released my first like two or three yeah. episodes. At that you yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I was like, I DM'd you. I was like, oh, I should have asked you guys for advice. And you were kind of like, there's really nothing to know. You just kind of have to play it by ear, which is totally true. It's just like, you're just kind of on this runaway train and you just follow it. But yeah, I mean, I think I always kind of have a running list of things that interest me. And then I think it's either like, you know, it's a couple things. Like, obviously, look, Erica Jane, I know I'm going to go deep into that. And so then it's like, okay, Piper, when can you record with me? Um, other things, it's like, yeah, I know, like, maybe I'll have a conversation with someone and I just get really jazzed about a certain topic. And I'm like, okay, that's the thing I'm going to do. Or sometimes people come to me. So, you know, like, um, you know, a friend of the podcast, Hanifa, she came to me really wanting to talk about Atlanta and then I was kind of DMing someone else, Chanel creating, and she was like, uh, I was like, oh, you should come on. And I was like, what would you want to talk about? She was like, Atlanta. I was like, okay, let me do a, an Atlanta episode. And that's right when the Porsche marriage thing to Simon happened. So I was like, okay, let's just do something about Porsche, you know? So um, it's just, yeah, it's just kind of staying open to what the universe is bringing me and see. I mean, I, I wish I had time and energy to do more. There's so much. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. There's so, I, you mentioned Erica Jane and I said, but we've talked about six other scenarios in Beverly Hills that has nothing to do with Erica Jane. That's why I think this is such a, a, a banger of a season because even without the Erica Jane, there's such good rich stories happening or good relationships between Kathy and Kyle or Sutton. And, you know, there's all these just interesting relationships that, you know, everything is just like, but then on the other hand, you got New York where I think nothing is really like nobody's connecting with each other. It's a very sloppy season and we can, there's so many reasons for it, but it's, you, you know, we're very sophisticated audiences now, even if you're not an empath or intuitive, we know that we don't feel something is right right now, you know? Yeah. Yeah. No, it's crazy. I mean, the contrast is so interesting, but yeah, it's crazy that Beverly Hills has pulled out such an epic season in the midst, because truthfully, you can feel COVID in, even in Beverly Hills. I mean, every episode's pretty much them just gathering at a house as a group, but you know, by virtue of obviously like the scandal, and then I think also having four new fresh faces, you know, with Sutton and yeah. Crystal and Garcelle and Kathy, you know, this season, the season's just working in a way that I never would have imagined it could And do you notice even there's a lightness, like um, even just in the way it's not shot, but even in the uh, Beverly Hills, all of, a lot of this takes place during the day. Yeah. If you've noticed a lot, and then by contrast, New York is a lot at night and it is so interesting and almost chilling that some of the, the most serious things about Beverly Hills it's in the light of day. And I think that's just something that is very, and I know it's once again, it's like we read so much into this stuff, but if I was like a, a film student, I'd be like, wow, like it really just goes, it's like almost like a daytime horror film, you know, like Midsommar in a way, you know? No, and I love it. And honestly, I think even though it's reality TV, I think it, it deserves to be analyzed like, you know, film, especially given again, like I think Erica's whole story is about this blend of fact, fiction, performance, and reality to the point that she's playing herself on reality TV and not just living her real life on reality TV, but also performing her strange tall tales on reality TV as part of her real life. So I think the whole kind of thematic motif of the season of Real Housewives of Beverly Hills is this sort of living art piece. So by all means, like, 
I love it. I see. I love how excited you are. I love that you give it respect. You know, like that's what I, I mean. And not, I mean, of course you do because you're doing a podcast, but I love that. I love the the breaking down that kind of, uh, that this is, this should be studied. This is a valid form of art, you know? Well, and this is also how I see life. And this is, you know, I'm also a film buff. Like I love film and film has always felt very spiritual to me because to me, it's like, you know, with what I do, I see life in terms of like, like as a waking dream with like symbols and patterns and archetypes. So it's just like, to me, storytelling, you know, it is a, um, what's the, it's like an abstraction of life, you know? And so when I, when I, yeah, see these stories playing out, it's like, to me, it is real. You know, it's like what it's called reality TV for a reason. Right. I, I love you about waking dream and, uh, and, and looking at the symbols in our own lives for a lot of us people that are, are, are might be new to even paying attention to the littlest symbols in our lives. How do we work up to that where we do see what life is telling us? Like what, what are your like basic tips for that, for, for just us basic people that are trying to wake up to some higher form of consciousness? Um, that's a really good question. I mean, I here's the thing. I would say, I think always starting with your feelings. And I think, um, especially wherever you get triggered, um, because, you know, like I was saying before, I the way that I view things is I think um, we tend to draw on circumstances and situations that have kind of energetic familiarity to us. So, you know, for me, I know, for example, if um, like I can get really triggered if some, okay, something that really triggers me is if I'm like in my car, let's just say, and someone beeps at me for no reason, like I, I don't deserve a beep, but they're beeping at me. <laughs> I will get so triggered by that. And it can really produce like a spark of deep rage. So, you know, I think most of the time what people do is they either ignore it or else they feel shame about it. But, you know, for me, it's like a feeling like that is information. This is coming from somewhere inside me. So it's like, if I sit with the flavor of that anger and it's like, okay, what's this anger saying? And it's like, okay, this anger is saying like, don't throw your aggression out at me. Like, don't take things out on me that, you know, don't have anything to do with me. And it's like, okay, so that's the statement it's making. And then it's like, okay, so where is this taking me in my history? And I know for me, that's something that I have a relationship to in my past. And so then it's like, I can kind of, it's like, I'm, I'm mining present day circumstances for information about like unresolved energy in me. And so it's like, okay, if there's still a part of me that's charged up, around an experience of feeling like someone was taking something out on me that didn't, or Erica is a great example. Like she's got stuff to work on around being set up. It's like, what, what does that part of me need? You know, like, what does it want to say? Like, how do I work with this part of me? Um, so I think that's just sort of like a great entry point of like realizing that all of your feelings, it's energy inside you. You know, in all energy has wisdom. And in my work, I always say this. It's like, I don't stigmatize anything. Like bring your anger, bring your hatred, bring your love, bring your sexuality. All of it is just currents of energy. And it all has information about like something inside you that wants to be expressed. So I think that's a really good place to start. 
holy shit, you just charged me up, man. Like that is so cool. Like that is like, I mean, that's such a great way to think of it too, of like our, our emotions and all of that stuff of being a roadmap as well of like, you don't need to be ashamed of how you feel. You can actually use that as some kind of like little, uh, little direction or, or just like something to actually pay attention to. So you don't have to be disappointed in yourself. You can actually uh, clock that and, 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 and that's your body or, or something giving you a sign in a way. Oh, totally. I mean, I just got, I mean, we, we were talking about the podcasting thing. Like I released, well, it may have been the Erica Jane episode. I released that and I just noticed there was like all this anxiety coming up. Like that was a moment where I sat with that and I just started journaling. I was like, okay, like what's the anxiety saying? I can't, I had so many freaking revelations from that like journal session, like really deep nuanced stuff. Cause you can imagine, I've done a lot of work on myself. So I know myself pretty well. So just to still have like these journeys of discovery of like, oh my God, this is what's at work in me. And now literally like I'm taking that information and I'm like, oh, I want to get support around this. Like there's this, I can feel there's a split and this is what I need to work on. So yeah, I think our life is always revealing stuff to us. That's uh, yeah. I mean, well, I, I and, and by the way, you guys, I now I feel like district because Sandra, who helped book this, was like, "Oh, you should ask questions about yourself." And I was like, "Oh, I don't really," and because I know I I am honest with the audience a lot, but I feel like that's almost disrespectful to your work because that's how that's impossible to actually. I mean, is it impossible to to get a hit on me, or is that a, a is that impossible? I mean, not impossible, but I feel like that's is that cheating the system? Is that I should just uh, schedule an appointment with you? Like, is there? I mean. You know, like how do you how does how does this work? If, if any of us listening, if we want to work with you, how do we do it? You know, away from reality shows. Oh, well, you, yeah, you can go to my website, hollywoodreadings.com. And uh, yeah, you can read about the work there and just send me an email. And uh, yeah, if you're interested, I'll send you the info about booking a session. Um, but no, if you want, I mean, look, I was emailing with Sandra and uh, no, I, I, I did a little fielding around if you really want. Is there, I mean, is it going to be really depressing or scary? No, no, I don't think it's depressing or scary. And okay. I'll keep it general because I mean, that's, okay, yeah, yeah, I, I just, you know, I do get a little hesitant with stuff like this sometimes because, as I'm sure probably people can tell, like I do go quite deep. I think sometimes people think it's a little bit more uh, just kind of like maybe, oh, like the mediums you see in the housewives and they have a nice message. And it's like, well, you know, what I do it goes pretty deep, it gets pretty personal. So I just always am a little mindful of that, of like not wanting to. I, I don't know. Not, no, no, like, you're no, I, I totally get that. And that's why that's what I said. Like, even in talking with you, like I feel like it, it's almost disrespectful because you do go deep. You know, like I never, you know, yeah. like it, it I don't want to disrespect you, you know. Well, you let me I don't feel disrespected, but you let me know whether you would actually want to hear something in this forum. I mean, is that bad? There's a sick part of me that does. No, again, there's no right or wrong. Oh, okay, okay. There oh, I do, I do, I do. Okay. Okay. So this is what I would say uh, on sort of a like big picture level. I, my experience of you, Ryan, I think you're a really powerful guy, actually. You know, I think you're really power creatively. I mean, powerful creatively. I mean, just even looking at what you've already created. And I didn't even realize it, it's also recent. Like in three years, you've created this podcast, you've gotten it going. My feeling for you, and I think this relates both to kind of like the podcast and your professional life. I also think this relates to your love life. I feel like I want to say I feel like you have even more reserves of like powerful energy, what I would call powerful energy. I actually feel like you've really strong masculine energy. Like I feel like you've got, yeah, powerful fire, sexuality, heat. I think you've even got like, like powerful anger in you. And I feel like 
I, if I were working with you, I think what I would go to, if I just could choose anywhere, I get curious about your relationship to the possibility of being a really sort of fully individuated man in his full adulthood and a part of you that maybe stays away from that and feels kind of like some relationship to being like a good little boy. Like if I have access to more of this energy, that's not allowed. That's not nice. That's not okay. Maybe feeling responsible for certain other people. And like, yeah, if I fully individuate, that's not going to be okay with everyone. And um, yeah. yeah. Oh my God. I mean, I know <laughs> that's, yeah. I mean, that's awesome. <laughs> that, yeah. I mean, that's, there's like this guilt. Um, it, it's um, yeah. I mean, that's uh, and it is funny. Like you, it's this shit you have from childhood that you never, fu- I'm never fully able to, you know, if, like I always have to be this kid. Like I can't like, I, they're, they're, yeah, you're, but and also there is like this, you know, I relate to girls more than I do guys, even though I'm a straight dude. And like, there is that push pull with that as well of like, is it okay to be a dude sometimes? Is it okay? You know? Yeah. And so what I would say is, so I feel like underneath the guilt, I do think, and again, I want to be really clear. I think I've already made this clear, but just to be super clear about it, because I know people come to these things with their own projections and images. I do not judge anger at all. We all have anger. I have my own relationship to anger. Um, I feel like underneath that guilt, uh, yeah, there's anger around that because it's like if you felt that you've had to cut something off inside yourself for the sake of being good or being accepted, you're going to be pissed about that and rightfully so. And I just have this feeling like um, it's almost like with the women. I mean, do you want me to keep going? Yeah, I mean, we, we, we five more minutes or less than five minutes. Wait, I just, I mean, I, well, now I'm just like, Jesus, you're nailing it, but. Yeah, I feel like with the women, it's almost like on an unconscious level. I, I I mean, you see what I'm doing. I'm kind of pushing them away. I kind of hear like, get the fuck, like stay the fuck away from me because it's almost kind of like a feeling of like, it's almost like if you're not going to accept all of me, like you kind of, I don't know if it's like you get none of me. It's like, don't pull me into something where there's not really room for all. It's like, you just want me to be the good little boy. And there's sort of not room for all these different parts of me. And some part of me is pissed off about that. Like I'll like, in relationship to women, like I'll be the nice guy, the good boy, because I think that's what I'm supposed to be or that's what you want. But some part of me is so pissed about that. And in the place where I'm unconsciously resentful of that, I, I want none of it, you know, I'm keeping you away, you know? So I guess what I would say, it's like, if we were working together, I would really want to support you to, yeah, start getting into deeper relationship with these stronger currents of energy really sort of identify like, yeah, where did you start learning lessons that you couldn't have all of this? And, um, you know, seeing where that wants to take you and and supporting you to walk that, you know, maybe there are relationships that are going to change if you individuate, you know what I mean? But I think if you want the full potential of like where things could go, and it feels to me like it could go really big places, you know, I think, yeah, the boat's going to be wrong. Yeah. I think there is also that uh, that fear of like who would accept all parts of me, you know, like that you almost have almost like Erica Jane in a sense where there is a little bit of a character, not a character, but, you know, we show sides of ourselves and we're like that. Like you said, you'll only be accepted as this one thing or who could possibly accept all sides, you know? 
Well, and I think what happens, because this is so universal, right? And I think what happens is like we we squash down certain parts of ourselves, right? So again, like a lot of people hold back their anger, right? And then because they're holding it back, it kind of builds and builds and builds. And then there'll be that moment where it explodes and it's disproportionate. And then people, yes, use, they use that as like the information. Oh, see, this is yes. the information. My anger is wrong and it's bad and I'm bad, but it's like, no, actually, it wasn't the original anger that was bad. It was the place where you held it back. And then it built so intensely that it exploded and leaked all over the place. But the fact is, if you could just take responsibility kind of for the original impulse, you know, and not like, yeah, blaming other people or leaking it out against other people, but just like, hey, this is, you know, there's something that I'm pissed about, here it is, I'm owning it, I'm bringing it in a, you know, in a responsible way, but I'm bringing it, you know, with my full kind of like uh, conviction, you know, you're allowed that, we're all allowed that, you know, and it's powerful, actually. That but made th- me feel so good, I was scared, but that actually, even that little thing got, I mean, um, that was, man, what a gift, what a cool, what a, you, and also, Guys, what a fucking good person. Like, go listen to this podcast. I'll tell you what, like, I shy away from listening to podcasts. I do. I just don't, I don't want to steal ideas. I don't want to be ever accused of that. And I know I can never be as kind of on point as Jamie, but I did. I stayed away from it and I was listening to the podcast. I was like, I immediately hit subscribe and I was like, oh, I will definitely like, I mean, it was so informative and so, uh, on point with what we all love, but it goes so much deeper and it makes a meal of it. Like it really treats it with the respect that it deserves. And I cannot recommend this podcast. I, I mean, you guys, you heard him go listen to this. Now. I hope you will do us a kindness of coming back whenever you want. I mean, because uh, you got to come back for summer house. You got to, I mean, like, I mean, we just, we just scratched the surface. I mean, and, and, but it really, what a gift, but also just, you know, you just know your shit in housewives. Like this is just amazing. Like how else can we support you? I know you're doing this, you know, like, I mean, how, what, how do you view the rest of the, what are you hoping to get from this? Not this podcast, but like what you're doing right now. I, that's the, I don't even know. I mean, that's the thing. I mean, it's funny. Cause I was talking about like the invitation from the universe to Erica. And it's like, I just know the invitation from the universe to me in all of this has sort of been like, you're not gonna know anything. Cause I'm the guy, I like to have a plan. Like I wanna have a business plan. I wanna know what I'm doing. And this whole journey is, like I said, I mean, I never, if I hadn't met Casey Wilson at that coffee shop, I would not be talking to you right That's now. That's so crazy. What a, what a cool person to meet to get this all started, you know? Well, and you wanna know something really, really interesting about all that? Yeah. Am I, I hope I'm not keeping you. Is this- Not like, at all, no, no. What's so crazy about that is I, I had the previous year, I'd been keeping a dream journal for a reason. And um, later I was like looking through my dreams from that previous year. And I totally forgot about this, but I had had a dream that Casey Wilson invited me to her house to record an episode of Bitch Sesh, like before it ever even happened. So it just, the whole thing has just been so sort of kismity and cosmic. So, you know, where is this going? I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. Definitely, I'm a teacher at heart. You know, like I said, I, I taught screenwriting. Um, I definitely want to at some point kind of start offering like kind of like, 
you know, some of what we got into today. I'd love to sort of be teaching that. I'd love to be offering more large scale group stuff. And definitely I'd love to create more content on my podcast. I'd love to talk about other things other than just Bravo. I'd love to talk about movies. Which you, you, and you talked, uh, you got a little bit more into spiritually, uh, spirituality and self-consciousness on this week's episode. Cause a lot of people have been requesting that you said. It's true. It's true. It's my, uh, it's my kind of unaired pilot. I literally recorded it three years ago when I first got my zoom recorder, which by the way, tells you how long I resisted actually taking the plunge. And doing oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I interviewed my friend and colleague who's like an astrologer, dream interpreter and a therapist. Um, but yeah, I want to broaden it out. I think there's a lot to, there's a lot to say. So I guess just keep creating content and, you know, we'll see where this wants to go. And I think, Maybe the last thing I'll say, I feel like in some ways you're almost inviting me to kind of like vision into stuff. Um, I want to say sometimes I miss the the script stuff and the movie stuff and the storytelling stuff. So I think about that sometimes, like it might be cool if there would be a way to really sort of incorporate like, you know, helping people with the narratives of their lives, but also kind of bringing in like screenwriting narratives and I don't know, the reality TV, who knows? Well, we, did, we just spoke that into power right now. I feel like I got, I know you guys got something out of this. I got something out of this. I hope you enjoyed it as well, Jamie, uh, because this really was a long time coming. And I truly, truly, you, there is an open door here. If you ever, or if you ever need me to see it, like, just please let's keep this line of communication open because this was, uh, this was really special to me, you coming on. And I think I, I'm nervous about a lot of people coming on, but I was nervous to have you because I just think you're really smart. And, oh. um, but this was just, you couldn't have been, uh, this just was awesome. So I really appreciate it. No, pro- well, thank you for, again, that's so sweet. My pleasure. Yeah. I'll come on, uh, whenever you want me and I want to have you on my podcast. And yes, I also- dude. Um, it's just, it's actually real. It's so nice to actually do this with a guy. Dude, anytime you want, I am, I would, I would, it would be an honor. Um, so you guys, please, the podcast is called deep dive with Jamie Stein. I will put all of that information on the show description. Uh, go follow him on Instagram, all of the, the social stuff, because this man is actually doing some real work here. And this is the stuff that we all love and he's treating it with respect. So let's go, uh, let's go show up for him. So, uh, Jamie until next time. All right. Thank you, Ryan. Five, four, three. Betches.